the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I are always looking for the top headline stories to bring you fresh every single weekend. And we also look to some of the most interesting guests and we have a very fascinating guest that we're honored to have on the line today. Larry, who do we have? Dr. Naomi Wolf is a best-selling author, columnist, and professor. She's a graduate of Yale University and received a doctorate from Oxford where she was a Rhodes Scholar. She is co-founder and CEO of dailyclout.io, a successful civic tech company. Since the publication of her landmark international bestseller, The Beauty Myth, which the New York Times called one of the most important books of the 20th century, Dr. Wolf's other seven bestsellers have been translated worldwide. The End of America and Give Me Liberty, a handbook for American revolutionaries, predicted the current crisis in authoritarianism and presented effective tools for citizens to promote civic engagement. Dr. Wolf was an advisor to uh, President Bill Clinton, his reelection campaign, and to Vice President Al Gore. Dr. Wolf has written for every major news outlet in the United States and many globally. Well, Naomi has just come out with a new book titled Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age that we'll be discussing tonight. Welcome to the program, Naomi. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Naomi, that is an absolutely stellar resume. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it's hard to even decide, like, where do we even go with this? There's so many amazing things that you've done. I have to say, I love the titles of your book, The Beauty Myth. I mean, who wouldn't want to pick that up and see what that's about? But it is true that, you know, you've gone through a rather intense pilgrimage in recent years. I mean, New York Times bestselling author, high-level Democratic consultant, and now a journalist with a little bit of a different uh, ideology, if you will. And I'm wondering, how can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and a little bit of the journey that brought you to write this most recent book? Sure. Thank you. Well, you know, I feel like I haven't changed at all. Um, the world has changed. Um, yes. I, you know, I think of myself as a classical liberal, just like my grandma was. And that meant, you know, equality of opportunity, free speech, human rights, open debate, freedom of the press, the Constitution. Um, but but all of that has, has gone out, of, out the window in the last few years. I mean, basically what happened to me is that I was a fixture on the left for 35 years and a fixture in the legacy media. And uh, and I was an advisor to the Clinton's re-election campaign, to Clinton's re-election campaign and to 
to Gore's, Vice President Gore's presidential campaign. And um, then in 2021, in 2020, I began to uh, call out the fact that I could tell that the pandemic was um, being used as a proxy for a coup. And I could tell that because I'd written a book uh, early on about how democracies are subverted and overthrown. And all the all the signs, the 10 steps that I'd identified then were right in front of us. Um, and then in, in June of 2021, I correctly, accurately noted on Twitter that women were having menstrual problems upon receiving these mRNA injections. And immediately I was deplatformed from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I was slammed around the world as an insane person, sorry, by the same uh, platforms that, um, that uh, you know, had had me as a columnist or commentator for decades. Um, my Wikipedia page bio changed with conspiracy theorist number one now. And all and, and then I became a non-person like overnight on the left. And it turns out that the White House had been behind my deplatforming, you know, with DHS and CDC and Twitter and Facebook on the group emails, which is very scary, a very illegal. Um, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because when the left wouldn't talk to me anymore, the people who wanted to talk to me because they cared about women and babies were on the right and people of faith and libertarians and independents. And so I had a, uh, you know, two years of conversations that I'd never had before. Um, and, uh, and so um, what, what became clear is that many of the things I believed were not true. So one of the, Climaxes of the book is called Dear Conservatives, I Apologize, because I believed the Steele dossier and I believed the Russian interference in the election. And I believed, um, you know, the January 6th. Well, you know, I had questions about January 6th, but I thought it was I didn't know half the things I know now. Let's put it that way. Um, two other high points of the last four years that I describe in Facing the Beast are the work of these 3,250 doctors and scientists who uh, were convened under, with Steve Bannon's suggestion, actually, to, um, over our, you know, with our oversight at Daily Clout, my company, to to go through the Pfizer documents, the 450,000 documents released under court order. And um, they've produced 94 reports detailing the greatest crime against humanity in recorded history, uh, deaths and and disabilities and sterilizations and murders of babies in utero and blood clots, lung clots, leg clots, neurological damage, um, massive scale. And they knew they were doing this. And my own research found that China is involved in these injections. So I've concluded that they're a bioweapon and the book talks about that. And then the last part of my journey that I think is important is that I began to realize that we weren't in normal human history, that we were in a time of metaphysical battle between good and evil, and that what we saw around us was a symptom of that, but that um, dark cosmic forces of evil were battling against, really against God. And um, that seemed really important. Wow. Uh, Naomi, a while ago, when you appeared on Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson Tonight program, you said, I hope we wake up quickly because history shows it's a small window in which people can fight back before it's too dangerous to fight back. What did you mean by that? And do you think that we've reached the point in America where it's almost too dangerous to fight back? I mean, that just depends on 
everyone's individual um, conscience. Uh, I, having deeply studied um, fascist and totalitarian takeovers, people have got to understand that keeping quiet now or even six months ago or a year ago or, or six months from now doesn't keep you safe. No one is safe when uh, there's a fascist um, overthrow of wow. a democracy taking place. And, it you know, all the people who are colluding at the highest levels, they're not safe. You know, history shows that once the tyrants are in power, they'll just send them off to the gulag or, you know, do a show trial with them and get rid of them. But all of a, you know, all of the people who just went along with a two-tier society and said, well, I'm not going to say anything that half of the country is, you know, be fired, you know, if they don't take this injection or, you know, kids can't go to school if they don't take this injection, they're not safe. You know, their kids are not safe just because they were silent. So what I know for sure is that it's much less dangerous to speak up now. Like, what you know, I don't like the threats and, and, you know, economic cost and name calling I've endured, but they're nothing compared to, you know, what my grandmother's nine siblings, uh, you know, the way they lost their lives in the Holocaust, right? So much better to be kicked out of the cocktail parties or the PTA or whatever, you know, the parents group now and speak up and do everything you can to stop this than um, think that this storm is going to pass you by because it's not. Great. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Now, Wendy, are you still there? I've got another question if she's not. Right now, the World Health Organization, or WHO, that's under the leadership of the Ethiopian non-doctor Tetros Adenon Gabriasis, and largely funded, by the way, by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is working on both a pandemic treaty and amendments to the international health regulations that would give the director general of that organization power to declare that a future pandemic is occurring and even issue mandatory directives on what national governments around the world must do to combat it. The power may even include the power to impose mandatory vaccines and vaccine passports. Do you think the United States needs to resist these authoritarian efforts? And if so, what do American citizens need to do to ensure that that never happens? Uh, Without question, they need to resist it. This is the biggest emergency facing us right now, now that the COVID injection is not hanging over most of us. Um, Yeah, so this is a global coup, and it's a global coup again under the the banner of public health. So that WHO treaty does all the horrible things smart people are afraid it will do. It does suspend sovereignty. It means that uh, Tedros Gabrasius can declare that we're having a pandemic, even if we're not, you know, what is a pandemic, right? You know, uh, there's no way to verify it. Just like, as I pointed out in my book, The Bodies of Others, this last pandemic is largely unverifiable. Um, the data sets are not available. Um, and he can deploy, you know, global mercenaries uh, to drag us off to quarantine camps here in New York State, where I live. Uh, the governor keeps to establish quarantine camps for, to hold those of us who've been exposed to a bloodborne pathogen. What does that even mean? And there's no way out, not even with judicial review. So it is global tyranny and we have to uh, defund the WHO and not sign. You know, thank, thank you so much for joining us and giving this information. 
Where can our listeners find out about you? Thank you. Well, please order Facing the Beast on Amazon and share it because that'll wake a lot of people up and save a lot of lives. Um, you can also find me on dailycloud.io and my commentators, and you can find the reports there uh, from the Pfizer. All right. Group. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. All right. Thank For you. our listeners, don't touch that dial. We are coming back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and we have a great second half for you. You know, so many weeks we look at all the different cases in the news, whether it's cases of politics or law or social issues. And one of the things that really captured headlines this week was the congressional hearing, it was by the Senate Judiciary Committee, on online child safety. This was a, uh, a group of CEOs that were called to testify, and it ended up being very interesting. Uh, Larry, what were your impressions of the hearing? Well, it was uh, quite amazing, actually. Uh, the senators really... Uh, put the fire to these social media companies and what really caught I think everybody's eyes and everybody's talking about is uh, Senator Josh Hawley when he uh, asked uh, the the head of Meta which is you know they, they own Facebook and Instagram if he was willing to apologize to the uh, people in the audience whose children had been harmed by his platform and he and he said well you know if you um they're here now would you like to stand up and apologize to them you're on national tv and to my amazement he actually stood up turned around and made an apology now some people think it wasn't enough uh, too little too late or maybe perhaps not as sincere as it should have been but at least he did that so that really caught my attention how about you wendy I thought the exact same thing. You know, you talk about a, a tough crowd. And when he turned around, you'll notice everybody had the photographs up of the children that were dead. I mean, it was just so emotional. But can you imagine if he had declined the offer to turn around and make that apology? You know, I, he's in a tough spot. We think that, oh, he's got all this money and he's got all this fame. His life is pretty dramatic on all levels. And uh, he, this isn't the first time he's been called to testify. He has been in front of this body for years. In fact, you know, some of the commentators were kind of juxtaposing all of his different appearances. Um, and the consensus was that this time he had the best haircut. <laughs> <laughs> but he also had a lot of substance. So at the very least, 
he's sort of maturing into his role and really appreciating the extent to which, at least I hope, you know, me, the eternal optimist, social media platforms can be dangerous. Oh, absolutely they can. And, you know, the question is, uh, do children use social media? Well, just go to your average, you know, shopping mall, restaurant, uh, movie theater, wherever, bank, and you'll see people looking down at their phones, you know, mainly tapping into social media. According to the most recent research, a child gets their first smartphone at age, can you guess this, Wendy, 10.3 years old. So ten, basically 10 and a half. While 50% of children have their first social media account at age 12. At Cox Communication, they did a recent study on teen use of internet, and they found that the average teenager spends six hours online each day, and 92% of that time is spent on social media. So, yeah, social media is important. And so you've got to be careful. What are they looking at? What are they listening to? Uh, what kind of groups do they belong to? You know, it wasn't too long ago I started spotting those billboards and uh, showing children in front of computer screens. And the billboard said, go outside and play. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what we wanted to do when we were growing up. And now, I mean, talk about the pendulum having swung where, where screen time, text neck. We didn't have to worry about things like this when we were growing up. So part of the challenge is, yes, there are lots of good things we can do with social media. That's great. And there are lots of learning and educational opportunities, um, bonding with friends and peers. Uh, during the pandemic, I know a lot of kids said that was their lifeline, is being able to, at the very least, uh, continue to, to interact virtually. But do the benefits outweigh the risks? I mean, that was certainly the topic discussed at this uh, meeting. What do you think we sort of came away with after hearing from these CEOs? It would seem like, well, they, they have a lot of uh, legislation uh, in the pipeline, actually. Uh, one is, is called uh, the Stop CSAM Act, which is strengthening transparency and obligations to protect children suffering from abuse and mistreatment act of 2023 uh there there's many uh pieces of legislation out there but what is interesting uh wendy is not only is do they have sexual content there that the kids shouldn't be looking at because uh, it's going to give them a jaded view of uh, human relations in my opinion but you know one in four teens have been victims of cyberbullying uh, via so the social media. And at least 50% of teens have witnessed that type of, uh, you know, the bullies on, on the cyber, uh, on the social media platforms. And uh, just one really quick story. There's the uh, story of a 15-year-old, uh, Nate Bronstein in Chicago. He went to a very prestigious school there called the Latin School in Chicago. And his parents didn't even know about this, but he was being cyber uh, you know, bullying, uh, a victim of that. And they were suggesting, well, why don't you just go kill yourself? Well, they found, oh. unfortunately, that he committed suicide and his parents did not even know that he was being uh, uh, the object of uh, being of these bullies uh while online yeah. so there's so many different aspects where i think parents are going to have to really start monitoring uh their kids but also these high-tech companies need to do a better job and hopefully these led this legislation that's proposed and the ones that are currently in the works will help 
You know, I tell you, one issue that has been around for years but is highlighted by the use of social media is what we call social comparison. You know, everybody wants to have the best this, the best that, be the richest, the thinnest, the whatever it is, whatever it is, the trendiest attribute of the day. And there's been a lot of criticism over the years that, you know, this is one of the reasons that we worry about our teens thinking they're not living up to the, the standards. And social media has only compounded that by sort of misportraying the extremes as being normal. Um, it's bad enough to be an adolescent nowadays. It's challenging enough for our precious young people to get through those years. How does this reality that they are unjustifiably compared to an unattainable standard online just complicate that period of time? I think it really complicates it. And you've definitely pinpointed the social comparison danger that's out there. Also, the addiction danger, whether it's just being addicted to uh, doing your tweets back and forth, spending so many hours. And like you said earlier, when you're not going outside and getting your exercise, uh, are there addiction to some of this? really dark content that's on the web. Uh, also, personal data stealing, like they'll steal information or they'll get you to maybe turn over some of your um, maybe social security number. The, the thing about the cyber bullying, too, is huge. And just these kids are being isolated in the sense they're, they're looking to their phones for interaction instead of looking to face, right. you know, face-to-face uh, content. So uh, there, there's a lot to be worked on. It's kind of a new thing, right? The last couple decades, uh, this has grown before it didn't exist, but now we have to deal with it. You know, I have to say, we, we give our teenagers a bad rap sometimes because I know plenty of adults that are addicted to social media as well. And, you know, you can't even get a hold of them certain times of the day because they're posting and tweeting. Now, obviously, there's a happy medium. There's a balance. It's brought us sort of closer to each other. I mean, how many of us have found you know, high school friends on Facebook and we join groups, but to use it to the extent that it is compromising the rest of your life, or it's um, been some idol worship that you and I and our brothers and sisters would say, that seems to be, it's like, how do you prevent it from getting to that extent? You mentioned addiction. I got a question for you. Addiction to what aspect of social media? What is it about being involved in posting and reading that is so addictive to some people? Yeah, I, I don't know. As a psychologist would be the best person to talk to about that. But what's holding Congress back from protecting our kids? And people should know this, just a quick review. I think we've talked about this maybe a year ago or so, about the Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act that protects companies that host user-created content from lawsuits over posts uh, on their services. The law shields both the internet service providers like AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon, as well as the social media and internet platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Uh, this means that the social media platforms can't be sued for taking down content or leaving it up. So basically, they're washing their hands of any responsibility, although they're providing the means to do this. Yeah, you know, it's really tough because if you have this kind of a site, you know, are you going to be an editor or just a host? Are you just going to host this content? You know, part of what uh, Zuckerberg is always getting slammed on is why he on Facebook, why he's not taking down offensive content more quickly. Why do things get, you know, viewed and downloaded as many times as they do? before somebody spots it as dangerous content and takes it down. I'm not sure there's a good way to solve that because there's just too many people posting. 
Oh, absolutely. But we should remind folks that, you know, the bright side, the social media has some really good points, you know, connects us in ways we never could before. It provides a safe gateway uh, for the more introverted personalities to practice being social. It can keep us informed in world events. And uh, it it, uh, allows us to follow things and people that interest us. Way to go, Larry. You have transitioned right at the end of the show from the cloud to the silver lining. Amen. (laughs) point that you're making. Because, yes, there are so many positive ways that we use social media, and we should continue to do so. I'm glad we're having hearings like this because we obviously have to figure out how to make sure we protect everyone when they're using it. And that we know as parents how much screen time our kids are having. So with that, and I love that we ended on a high note, we will say to our listeners, we look forward to seeing you next week, same time, Saturday night, 6 p.m. And until then, have a wonderful week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.